Welcome to Transition of Style, the podcast that explores the ways in which personal style and identity meet. Transition of Style is sponsored by QueerCut, a global gender-free marketplace and online community that connects LGBT shoppers with queer-friendly brands and products. Welcome back to Transition of Style. I'm your host, Corinne. What's going on? Today, I have with me Abby Miller. Abby has been working to end homelessness for over a decade. She also creates apparel with a kind and careful attention to people with different body types. Her work is inspired by and created for her community, queer, trans, gender nonconforming people, and others in the LGBT spectrum who want to express themselves authentically and stylishly. Indeed. Abby, what's going on? Hey, Corinne. What's going on? It's such a pleasure to have you on. Oh, it's so good to be here. I love it so much. Abby, I have so many questions. I have all the questions. The first question. I wanted to talk about your work with homelessness. When did that start? How did you get into it? Like, walk me through that. Yeah. Um, I started working on homelessness in, like, 2005, six. Okay. Um, I was in grad school at the time and came to understand that cities did this thing where they passed laws that people without homes, like, literally can't sleep on the street. Like, it's illegal. And I was like, this doesn't make logical sense, and it's cruel. Like, none of this makes sense. And so it just sort of, like, hooked me, like, emotionally, intellectually, like, all the things, like, Mm -hmm. justice, sensibility, and I was like... No, 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 we can't be doing this. And I just went down that rabbit hole. Really? And that's how it started? That's how it started. So, you know, I think that when I, when I hear you say that, I, I can think of a lot of situations and things I hear about every day where I'm like, that can't be happening. But, you know, the actual, you know, impetus to actually do something and to get involved sometimes doesn't happen because for, for many reasons, right? What, what about this particular situation made you say, I got to do something about this? Like, it's not okay. Corinne, it felt, it felt criminal. Yeah. Like, I, I felt like I could not exist on the earth without, like, getting engaged. Once it, once it was revealed to me, yeah. it was like, once the ignorance is gone, yeah. I couldn't not work on that thing. Um, also, like, all sorts of things that I'm now in therapy, you know, <laughs> talking about, like, yeah. Yeah. having to fix everything. Yeah. So, you know, like, <laughs> some, some of, of my too. own, like... Yeah, sometimes our issues, though, um, lend to doing some really good work, right? So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't look at those issues and we don't, like, address them. It's just that sometimes there's there are some certain parts of that, those issues that lend to doing actually good work. And so, I mean, because, come on, helping homeless people, I mean, that's amazing. That's awesome that you're doing that. And I just want to know, uh, really quickly before we move on to anything else, when you say you got into it, like, what, what was the first thing you do? Like, like what was the first thing you did to get into it, to... Uh, sort of land a job in, in, you know, in helping homeless people, like in helping homelessness? Yeah, I started working in, so not working like being paid, but working like volunteer work uh, in one of the local shelters where I was living. And just like I got involved in one of their programs, like teaching, Mm -hmm. um, but not really teaching, just like hanging out with people who were there and being like, what, what's going on in Mm -hmm. your life? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you feeling? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want to work on? That type of thing. Um, and I just kind of kept going and ended up spiraling it into like my PhD work and, uh, did research like participatory research. So like kind of started from the place of people who are sleeping on the street. Like, Mm. what does that feel like? What do you want? You know, mm-hmm. what does home mean to you? Like, how can we do better with our homeless services? Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up doing that for my dissertation and then started working at HUD, um, wow. trying to, like, bring that into national policy. That's amazing. That's, and how long have you been at HUD now? I've been at HUD for just over seven years. Oh, intense. Intense. I, I think that... Um, Many people will look at someone who's homeless and have some misconceptions about how they got there and, and you know, what their lives are like. What do you feel like has been the biggest misconception about what you found out about uh, people who are homeless? Because we all, you know, there's so much a, uh, I don't know, there's this, people have a tendency to think they know exactly what happened. Yeah, I think that, I think that people who are on the street who we see 
I think we make them embody all of our fears that are wrapped up in the American dream. Like, the house, the kids, like, all of the stuff, and, like, how quickly it could all go away. And I think people, quite frankly, are terrified when they see people who are homeless. Like, could that be me? And so I think there's, like, a psychological kind of separation that Mm -hmm. we do of, like, well, it couldn't be me because I do this, this, and this right, and this person then obviously did this, this, and this wrong, which is all false. Right. But I think it's, like, a psychological trick that we play with ourselves to be, like, oh, we're okay. We can still get what we need. Wow. Heavy, man. That's heavy. <laughs> We're taking it to a heavy place already. My goodness. Well. Wow, it's that's heavy. But I think you're right. I think that there is there's a thing of like, I guess we need to separate ourselves, right? We need we it's a set of the safety sort of like we need to feel like that psychological can't, that, safety right, that can't be us. That can't be us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for telling me about that. I just I, I figured I'd want to ask you that question because I I do think that there is a thing of when we see a homeless person we have ideas about you know what what that person's, how that person got into that situation. And then there's, there's a lot of misconceptions, you know, so uh, thanks, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, so I want to move on right now, and I don't want to, I, 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 not that I don't like getting heavy, I do like getting heavy, but I want to move on, because I really want to talk about the fact that you're a maker, like you're a creator, you make clothing and shoes. I mean, some of the things I've seen you make kind of blow my mind, as you know, and I just want to find out what got that, that whole thing started. What got you into being a maker? So I come from a family of people who just make stuff. Um, My dad grew up Amish. That man has raised barns. Like, left left the Amish community, but I don't think that you ever leave that maker spirit behind. Like, who knows? Maybe it's in our genes. I don't know. But the whole family, like, like, we all kind of just make stuff. Yeah. Um, But even beyond that, I think clothing has always been such a thing for me. Like, I was just telling my partner about this actually last night. I remember, like, being a kid, and I loved Barbies. I loved Barbies. They were the greatest things ever because they came with clothing. (laughs) And, like, endless outfits. Oh, wow. So that's what you liked about it. It's, yes, it's the, like the, the dressing of them, uh, like okay. the accessorizing, <laughs> and I mean, I've been sewing since I was like five years old. Five, okay. What five. what what gets somebody sewing at five years old? I don't know. I mean, my mom was like sewing all of our clothing, so there were four of us, and she was sewing all of our clothing, but I'm. I wanted to learn, you know, it wasn't like she was forcing me into it. I was like, yo, mom, teach me that. (laughs) Really? So she got me little like Barbie patterns for like little tiny Barbie clothes. So like, I remember, you know, like poking out like the lapels and the little Barbie business suit, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, with like whatever scraps of fabric (laughs) we had around. But like, I was just into it. Like, and I loved sitting in my own closet and just, like, looking at my clothing. Like, I remember the moment when, um, it was, like, it was the mid-80s. I remember going from, like, the straight denim skirt to, like, the multi-tiered ruffled denim skirt and being, like, this is the bomb. Why did we ever wear straight skirts? (laughs) (laughs) But those things really mattered to me. That is amazing. So you, I mean, it's a it's crazy to me that, like, this, it started with Barbie. Oh, yeah. And then you were like, no, 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 now I can start thinking about my clothing. And then I guess once you learn and make clothing, it's it must feel so freeing in, so, in such a way. It's like you can make anything. Like, you can just imagine something and then make it. Yeah. I mean, not always right away. Right. Sure, sure. <laughs> my skills have definitely improved over time. But, yeah, like... It's so got to, free. There's got to be a freedom in it. It must be amazing. There is. Oh, my God. I love that. I love it. And so uh, I'm, I'm curious. Do you feel like in any way some of your, um, some of indulging in, like, being a maker had to do also with, like, the way you wanted to dress, the way things you wanted to wear that you couldn't find? Like, did any of it come from that? It did. And this might take me a second to get to. Go ahead. Take your time. But 
I think when I finally started really making stuff for myself, it was like understanding that I had certain obsessions with clothing. Mm -hmm. Like I feel obsessed with like neck details, (laughs) like stuff that goes up around it Mm -hmm. or like really dramatic, like cuts down from it. And I would see these things in my mind. Really? And they weren't in the world where I was living. Um, But had you seen it somewhere else? First, I mean, I'm also very curious about like your mind and, and the what you can see, like how you would see things. But it wasn't, it wasn't, was it inspired by something, or were you just like, what about necklines? I mean, <laughs> it's know, like, tough to say. Like that sounds ridiculous. Like no, who thinks about necklines when they haven't like been introduced to it? But like designers I grew up do. In rural West Virginia, <laughs> yeah. like there was nothing really to like speak of around there. And then I lived in a bunch of places where, like, fashion wasn't a thing. You right. know, I wasn't seeing anything that was, like, different or unique. And, like, the internet wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. If it was, <laughs> I wasn't using it because I'm a bit of a grandma. <laughs> but I, I knew that, like, there was something about my body and clothing that I wanted to, like, have these certain lines draping on it. And those things didn't exist. Right. So those were the first things that I started making in earnest that was like, not just like trying to recreate something that I had, but like trying to create something that I wanted that I couldn't find. That's amazing. That's amazing. I just, I mean, I'm just so surprised by that because I I just wonder like where that came from because I, I don't know. I just, the average person, right, usually gets their inspiration for what they've seen. Right? They get the inspiration from like what they see on TV, what they see on the internet, you know, from celebrities, whatever. Like they see something and then they decide they want to be like that. But for you to decide, I want to get into necklines. <laughs> I want I want to look like this. Like and it come from really just your own imagination. I think that's fascinating to me. Well, and like, I think it's even a little like it's not just imagination, it's also like Having studied my body and and how clothing laid on it, like I can't tell you. Interesting. One of my favorite things to do uh, growing up and like continues to this day is to just dig into my closet and try stuff on in new ways that I haven't seen before, and just look at myself in the mirror, like just <laughs> really? try Seriously? on sessions for hours at a time. And but, I have but, always done this. But what do you mean in new ways? What does that mean? Okay, so. Like, I remember in, I don't know, I was probably like 13, 14. There was something that I was going to. I was very bored with all of my clothing. And I was like, you're not leaving this house until you come up with something new and interesting. (laughs) And so I just kept trying combinations of stuff on. And, like, there's a certain level of frustration. But also, like, I found something that worked, finally. And it was like... You know, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was something that I could produce from my closet that otherwise, like, hadn't existed. And so you literally took, you're trying, it's basically about combinations then, right? Yes. Different combinations. Because it's true, I guess most of us, we go to our closet and we're like, oh, I always wear this with that. I always wear these, these, you know, this shirt with these pants or, you know, these shoes with with this shirt or whatever the case is. But this time, you you really challenged yourself to step outside the box. I think it's a really interesting, like, thing to talk about because we don't do that. Most people don't do that, you know? They get very, they think about a set of clothing that they have and they, they have these combinations that they always wear the same way. And they don't even think to take it and do something different with it. You know, they always think, I got to buy something new. Mm. And you're like, no, I made myself stay yeah. at home until I came up with any combination. Well, you're like, Kirk, you're not leaving the house until you go. I had no money. <laughs> like, come on. That, I was like a 13-year-old, you know, with well, like, like no money. And that's, so. that'll do it, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, when you have to think about it and you're like, I got to come up with something different. But, like, that impetus has carried through, like, um, I'll have people give me, like, random pieces of clothing or, like, I love thrifting. Yeah. And finding, like, a piece that I'm like, okay, if this and this were different, and so it's just, like, take it home, rip the sleeves off, like, redo it, fix the the neckline, of course. (laughs) And then it's, like, it's mine. It's mine. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. Does it feel good to also, when you're making things, to, to to have that feeling that it is yours? 
that it oh, came yeah. from your hands. That's amazing. Yes. That's incredible. So I, I'm curious, do you, you when you talked about uh, in your bio and, you know, and, and we'll talk later more about style, it sounds like when you are making things, it's with a, it's with the idea or the, with queer people in particular in mind. Yes. Would you say that's true? Yes. Okay. So why is that? Obviously being queer, that's one thing, but what, beyond just yourself, what is, why does that come into why you make things and what you make? So, I mean, queer space is so complicated in the best way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I think it's that we're willing to acknowledge that we haven't all been like provided with the bodies that maybe we would like want, right? Like mm-hmm. if if all the chips fell into place and we could pick everything, like we may not want hips, we may not want boobs, like there are all these things, yeah. but we have them. Mm-hmm. And so there we are and it's beautiful. <laughs> like people are beautiful and there are along with like bodily characteristics there are also like all of our personality traits that make us so interesting so unique Mm -hmm. and all of that is worth plumbing Mm -hmm. to figure out like how do I express all of this Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. in a way that feels like in sync with what's inside and that's not like not hiding, not, you know, trying to wear a uniform or like we are fantastically unique people and the things that we wear, the way that we represent ourselves should actually reflect that. I mean, I love that. I think, I think the, the, the question I ask, though, and I think that, you know, for a lot of people that, you know, listen to the podcast, they will, <laughs> I can feel them in my backs right now. I'd be like, ask her this, ask her. I mean, we, yes, as queer people, we're amazing. We are, we've, we've had to do so much of the creating the things that we haven't seen for ourselves. I, I don't, I can't, I just can't think of another community that's done that in such a way. But, you know, like you said, we have the bodies we have, right? And, you know, and, and outside of, like, having surgeries, having top surgery, you know, changing our bodies, if you are not in a situation where you can do that, if you're not in a situation where you can change it and you have to kind of live with your body the way it is, then how do you dress it? You know what I mean? How do you dress it? It's very difficult. I mean, how do you dress it without hiding it? Because mm-hmm. that's basically what most people are going to go to. They're going to be like, I want to hide it. Yeah, you know, but it's very difficult. Also, how do you how do you how do you find clothing to dress it? You know. Yeah. Where do you find that clothing? That's the thing. It's really hard. Yeah, I think. I mean, you're right. I completely didn't answer your question about why. Um, no, I mean, it's... why I'm designing like what I design, but it's it's that I think that the the uniqueness is the inspiration, but also like if I can say. I think I can crack the code of how to show a body yeah. in a way that makes people feel good. Wow. And wow. that is not a thing that everybody has. So That is a thing that most people, uh, no, almost no one has. I mean, it, it, there's so few people have it. I'm not saying no one has it. I, I shouldn't say that. It's hard to find. It's hard to find, you know? So yes. you, so you know, I mean, I, you and I, we've known each other, and I've always been very much, you know, a fan of the things you make and just your mind behind making things, and I just want you to make more and more things because the more things you make, the better. Um, but it's, it's so needed, you know. I, I just, you, you talk about cracking a code because it really is a code. How do you do that? Like, what, what's, what is your mindset behind how to crack that code? So I think you have to figure out, like, what what are the things that trigger you, one. And then figure out how to work around that, but gently. Like, not hide, <laughs> not accentuate. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard like, not to hide. work around gently. Yeah. And I think that there are all of these ways that clothing fit that are so subtle, like, to the, to the eye or 
like even if you're studying the garment, it's yeah. sometimes really hard to figure out like darts, for instance. Like Oh, darts. Darts make <laughs> most queer people cringe, I mean, right? Because so you, think, I, you think dart and you think like, I actually oh my God. I need to take a sip right now. Yeah. When you said darts and it's alcohol, yes. Should we like drink every time I mm-hmm. say dart? Yeah. Yes, keep saying. <laughs> dart, drink again. <laughs> but like darts are a funny thing because if you study them, there are certain like traditional darts that are used for like accentuating. Yes. Yes. Feminine curves, right? Which, by the way, is the only thing people think about when they think about darts. Yes, like, it's I the know, only when I hear thing. Them, I bring out into a cold sweat. Yeah. <laughs> no, <on>. they're disgusting. <laughs> Except, like, darts are fabulous also because... Are you going to change your minds about darts? That's amazing. I would like to change oh, your mind about darts. Oh my goodness, you guys. This I hope you're listening. This is this is pretty big. Because I, I this darts, I wake up at night... With nightmares, <laughs> darts. Yeah. Middle of the night. Yeah, they're they're terrible. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's Except like, they don't have to be. Okay. Like, how? Okay. How? So if you think about a dart, it is basically like removing fabric from parts of the garment. Yeah. Where there's no there's nothing filling it out, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you have curves, you have to like make room for the curves. Yeah. And there are, you know, a handful of ways that you can make room for curves. Um, But one of them is darts. But the way that they're done so often is, like, in a very traditional way where it's like, oh, we want to accentuate this. And I'm saying, no, 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 we don't want to accentuate this, but we need to make room. (laughs) There has to be room for our body parts to live inside clothing so that we're not, like, sweating or tight, or like <laughs> all of the things that make us not want to like go outside in that piece of clothing. And so you can take darts and like do quite a bit with them, where like you can just like mellow them. Really? So they're not so accentuating, mm-hmm. but they give room. Hmm. And what that does is it creates an opportunity for your body to like live in the piece of clothing where there's not excess fabric Mm -hmm. in the places that drive you nuts Mm -hmm. and look sloppy, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, darts are about not looking sloppy. Sure, sure, yeah. And so if you, like, mellow them out and put them in the right place, they can, like, make clothing look nice and tailored and sharp, but not accentuate the stuff that you don't want to accentuate. This You're blowing my mind right now. Yeah, <laughs> just I really was thinking of seeing he did the mind blown like hand gesture. Yeah, you're blowing my mind because literally, I mean, when you hear darts, it's like I think some people are like you say darts and they're like they don't want to hear anything else. They're like you just said the worst word you could ever say and don't even say anything beyond that. But it's it's an interesting thought about them. I mean, I, I would never think of... First of all, the relaxing of them is interesting because they always seem so very severe. Yes. You know? So I, I I can't even... I never even thought about the idea of relaxing them in some way. Right. Like, so if you want to make room but not accentuate and you think about, like, making something perfectly fit your body, yeah. right? It's going to be, like, sharp yeah. moves yeah. to make a garment totally fit it. Yeah. But then you just, like, let them out a little bit. And it relaxes. And you've used this before. Yes. Wow. This is incredible. So when you... This is fun. I mean, you see, this is, you know, this is the other thing that's amazing is that you really enjoy this. I love it. You know, you enjoy this. And I get the sense that you enjoy it, like, in sort of like in a twofold way. Like, some of it is you know you're also doing something that is... I don't know, like helping the community, like helping people that, you know, queer people that you know have suffered with wearing clothing or having bodies that they are, you know, that they don't feel at home in, right? But also, you sound like you're solving a puzzle, which it sounds yes. really exciting. I can look at you and tell that you're also very excited about that part of it. I love doing that part Do you of really? It. That's so interesting. And so when did you realize that darts were going to be your friend and not your enemy? Because took so long. <laughs> took so long. <laughs> darts are the enemy of many people. And now you're, you're, you're making us think about them differently. That's kind of interesting. Well, it took a while. Um, 
So I think this like dart journey, and I feel like first of all we need a new word for dart to okay. like not turn people off. I told I told you like I don't know pe- what it is. Most people would be but like, we have to come you up said with dart, it. and now we're done. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're done. Like, <laughs> we want to hear anything beyond <laughs> the word dart? I'm like, that is the worst word you could ever say, and I don't want to hear anything else. But you're right. Maybe there needs to be another word. Like what? Like I don't know. You you have to come up with something. We'll work you, on that. All right, but but you, what you're saying is they're not a bad thing for people who know what to do with them. And are aware of, you know, obviously you've made clothing for yourself, you've made clothing for your partner, and you need to think about what you're trying to accentuate and what you're not, right? So, I mean, that's, at the base level, that's the first kind of thing you want to deal with somebody. Anybody's having clothing made, right? Anyone's going to a tailor or someone, they need to be aware of what it is you want to have accentuated and what you don't. That's they, right. They got to know that off the bat. Yes, because otherwise, it's going to be a cold sweat, dark conversation right. that's not going to go well. Right. Like, I mean, not going to go well. Like, I think we all have to know, like, if we're walking into a tailor, that that person who is standing there looking at you, like, listening to you, may or may not be listening because they're so conditioned to, like, do things the way that they know how to yes. do things. And yes. so they're just, like, looking at bodies and thinking, okay, they're going to want this, this, and this. And so you have to be, like, crystal clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think one of the best ways is, like, bring a piece that works mm-hmm. and be like, I want it to hit like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, on yeah. the hip, or, right. like, I want it to feel right. like this. But to go back to your question about, like, how did I start playing with darts? Like, why did this become a thing? Um, I think I started designing stuff for my partner mm-hmm. who, like, is actually perfectly happy to, like, hide in scrubs, which I was like, No. No, no, no. You owe me doing You're that. You're way too awesome for <laughs> you, scrubs. You owe me doing that. <laughs> and instead of hiding in scrubs, it was like, okay, so how do we create this tailored look that, like, makes you feel like a million bucks mm. and doesn't, like, trigger stuff for you? Yeah, right. And so it was starting to play with that, like, oh, if we drop the armhole or we, like... If we put this little dart in the back, but there's no dart in the front, yeah. then what does that do for yeah. us? Like, yeah. is there, and like also listening to them every step of the way of like, no, yes. that feels feminine. That feels feminine. And being like, rather than like, no, 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 it doesn't. Like, okay, yeah. it feels feminine. Yeah. That is your experience. Yeah. Like, let's do something else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you know how many people wish they had that? You know, available to them where they could just go and go this doesn't work and here's why this I don't like the way this fits I don't like the way this is hugging me I don't like the way like this is you know like accentuating parts that I'm not interested like that's what's difficult like most people don't have access to that you know and you and you can't get necessarily just get that off the rack a lot of times it's it, if you have a certain body if you have curves that you're not interested in like it's it's very tough it is really tough. Yeah, it's not easy. It really isn't. So it's just amazing to listen to you talk because it's like, this is something I wish, I think I wish a lot more of the people that listen to this podcast had access to. It's it's hard for them. It is really difficult. And I, and I actually feel their pain. I, I experience it and I feel them because it's tough. You know, yeah. it's, it doesn't, you know, you just want to, it's like you said earlier, you just want what you what you feel inside or what you see inside to match what was what you see outside. It's a journey. It really is. You know, it's a serious journey. So it's really kind of nice listening to you because how nice is it for your partner to have that to be able to talk to you and go this nope that doesn't work nope that doesn't work and all the while you're really just. You're 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 also not just being such a wonderful and supportive partner, of course, but you're also solving like a problem. Solving puzzles. Yeah, yeah. you're solving a serious puzzle yeah. that goes beyond what you guys are doing. You know, that's pretty incredible. I love that. Yeah, it's also like learning constantly. I mean, I feel like the, you know, I have I have certain elements of my design that feel very much like born of just my brain, like. Mm-hmm the necklines Mm -hmm. right like that's just something that comes out of an obsession that is inside me (laughs) but there's this other part that I feel like has been provided to me by the world by my queerness by the people I love by my community that is like okay you have these skills these are like real world 
issues yeah. <laughs> that people are struggling with. Yeah. So what are you going to do about those? And they're interesting. They're interesting because I care about people because like you care about your community. I care about my community and it matters. It, it matters it really, so much. It really does. It really does. I mean, it's just, I, I just, I love that. I just, I, I gotta tell you, I just, I kind of really wish we could just clone you. I don't know. It's just like, Orphan Black clone you and just send you out into the world. That's creepy, Corinne. <laughs> I I don't care. <laughs> I actually don't care because I could just see where, where this is so helpful for people, and I I know the struggles. You know, I've been there myself. I know the struggles. So, anyway, you know, thanks for talking to me about that. I think that that's incredible. Um, it it you know for the for those listening, it just makes me realize. You know, we talk about clothing all the time. We talk about fit. We talk about you know, feeling, you know, like you're wearing something that, you know, really matches your identity and your, your gender expression. But if you're working with someone, if you're working with a tailor, if you're working with somebody who's creating custom clothing, please make sure that, you know, they're hearing what you're saying. They understand what it is you're looking for. They're aware what you're looking for, that they, that are listening. You know I mean? You're, this is your dime. They gotta, they gotta put together what you want so that you walk out of there feeling like, like you should, like feeling attractive, feeling like you look good. So make sure they're hearing you because that's important, you know? Yeah, and I think I think there are some things that, so I think there are some common mistakes that like I've made. I've watched like, I'm super close with my brother. I've watched him make these mistakes. I've watched Elo make these mistakes, like all of us, mm-hmm. where we, we buy more clothing that doesn't fit well because we think like, oh, I like, that pattern on that fabric or I don't like anything in my closet so I'm just going to buy something else and so we blow our wardrobe budget on like more clothing that doesn't make us feel good I think it's more helpful if you can figure out like how many shirts do I need how many pairs of pants do I need and how much can I afford and then like buy under the amount that you can spend and spend the rest on tailoring. Wow. There you have it. There you have it. But, and then, but with a tailor, obviously, again, we're going back to the, finding someone that is actually hearing what you're saying. That's right. Right? Because there's training, right? And then there, there are bodies. And there's, and there's gender expression. And people need to work within what you're asking for. There's a million ways to tailor one, one, one garment, right? they got to be listening to what you're looking for. That's right. Because like, then it's, if you can't find that person, that's, that's worth looking for. You know, that's worth finding. It is, and it's not easy. I know, I know. Well, we're not going to talk about that part. We're trying to keep it positive, okay? But it can be found. It's, it, it may take some work, but it can be found, right? It can definitely be found. Yeah, but, but knowing the language around what you like and what you don't like and what you're trying to do, it's very important that you're strong in that when you walk into these places so you get what you're looking for. And when you find someone, and you find someone also, I'll, I'll mention this as well, but you find someone who has actually heard you and is listening to you and is queer friendly and is treating you with respect, please mention it to other people, okay? We don't want people going to people who cannot listen to them and who are not being kind to queer people. They gotta be kind and they gotta be treating you as a valued customer because that's what you are. So let's get that going. Let me get off the soapbox because I can feel myself going there. Okay. <laughs> I can go there. I can go there. Then I have to get the crystals out. But I won't do that today. <laughs> Let me not go to the crystals and get the amethyst and go back to the feel-good place. Okay. So before we go any like I go crazy, why don't you tell me about your style, like your personal style, and then we'll move on to something else. What is your style right now? And I would imagine since this whole thing started when you were five, creating and thinking about clothing, even though it was first Barbie, then it was you. What's your style and where's it going? First of all, thank you for asking what is my style right now? Because it well, is I already knew that it was a moving target. Changing. <laughs> constantly changing. Um, so uh, my partner just said the other day, like we've been together four years. They were like, when I met you, I feel like you were in like an elegant gentleman phase. <laughs> 
And now you're more like elegant <laughs> matrix. That is amazing. <laughs> like neo matrix. <laughs> I think so. I think so. That's incredible. I love it. So I do love that. <laughs> I think like currently my style is very it's all long. Mm-hmm. Like everything's long, layers, like okay. I'm going to share a secret with you. I'm not a tall person, but I have a really tall personality. You do. Yeah. That you do. Yeah. I'm like a 5'8 person living in a 5'3 body. I like it. So, like, everything that I'm into right now is, like, super long. Really? Um, yeah, and I'm not wearing heels. Like, it's nothing, like, I'm not making myself any taller, but yeah. it's just, like, trying to, like, layer Lengthen. as many, like, wow. long layers on as I can. And it's all like, um, I mean, I have like a couple brands that are like my go-to, like I love you so much (laughs) and I, I use them as my inspiration, surprising layers, surprising openings, surprising, surprising, like, surprise, like (laughs) pants that shouldn't be fully open on the side, but they are like, I'm into that. I'm really into that. I love this. I love the way you talk about surprise. Surprise. These are open here, but they're open. Um, so my partner does like really incredible photography and one of the things mm-hmm. that they take a lot of are just pictures of the city mm-hmm. like on the subway gorgeous. like people yeah. i don't know you've seen it I've you seen know it. it's, it's just gorgeous. it's beautiful gorgeous gorgeous photography yes so i've like taken a ton of that we're doing these like i suppose you could call it a collaboration but i think it's actually like me stealing the photos <laughs> and then getting them printed on the fabric and making stuff oh, with them amazing and it's so cool to like take these things that I'm totally in love with, these pictures, and like get them printed. And then, but before it's printed, I already have the piece in oh, mind. I'm like, okay, lot. so there's this one shirt that I'm totally in love with. It's like um, Elo, my partner, had taken like a, a shot through like several subway windows, and oh. it was raining. Yeah. And so there's just all of this texture and depth. And I was like, that belongs on the middle of this, like, long sort of tunic thing where it just, like, it takes space. Oh, my God. It is incredible. Like, you guys are so creative. It's insane to me. It's so amazing. I'm so, I mean, I'm in awe of them as a couple. They're, like, two of the most creative people I think I've ever met. It kind of blows my mind. All right, so listen, I want to, before we wrap up, and I, I have other questions for you, I do want to talk a little bit about finding one style. Uh, so you, you know, you did my podcast in take form, which I love, you know, and I kind of want to read what you wrote, because I thought it was really well said about, you know, what advice would you give others trying to find their own authentic style and gender expression? And here's what you wrote. Well, I think the most important thing is to approach yourself with genuine curiosity. Curiosity makes it possible to feel patient and not frustrated. I found Pinterest to be the most awesome rabbit hole to go down again and again and get so many ideas and refine my ideas about my style. I have the privilege of living in New York City and seeing really cool fashion on the streets. Even if you're in a conservatively dressed place, you can find what you want there. And if you really want to find your style, you have to confront your demons about the parts of your body that you're not thrilled about or downright despise. You're not getting out of that body anytime soon, so you have to spend some time to figure out how to work with it and not against it, and that takes self-work. I could not say that better. <laughs> I could not say that better. And I just want to talk about that for just a minute. You talk about the idea of accepting yourself, accepting your body. As queer people, you know, some of us have, we talked about curves, we have breasts, we have hips, things we're not too thrilled about, right? We're not thrilled about having these things. Sure, you know, there's always the option of going to have surgery, right? But some people can't afford surgery. Some people aren't in a place where they can do that. Some people maybe not even want to have surgery, right? So what is it you do? How do you get to a place where you can say, this is my body, this is what it is, but I still can own this gender expression that is not of these things? That is a very hard thing to achieve. No, yeah, it's I don't a, expect you to answer like, the question, a, but like, yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm, I'll just talk a little bit about like what I found myself. I, I myself am like a perfectionist. Like, very much, everything should be exactly as it should be. 
emphasis on the should. And it has taken me so many years and so many therapists to figure out, like, this is the only body I've been given. <laughs> this is yeah. the only body I will ever have. Yeah. And I can torture myself day after day, year after year, about, like, wanting all of these other things. But they're not going to happen. Like, this is it. And so, like, happiness is the actual goal, not perfection. So I've been working through that. Can you restate? What we were talking about before was, like, sure, you can have surgery, right? But not everyone has that option, right? What if you don't have the option of surgery? You can't afford it. You can't have top surgery. You can't, you, but you have these breasts. You have hips. You know, your body is, you're born in this body, and you're, you don't feel at home in that place. But you still have to dress it. And you still have every right to leave your house and feel gorgeous. We should all feel that. I just, I, I can't really deal with the fact that people are walking through their lives just feeling like alien to that notion. Not cool. Not cool. There's nothing cool about that. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, it has, so it's, it's, it's typical. It's typical. It's difficult. And I don't think there's any, there's no easy answer to no, that. There like, isn't. There because, isn't. Because it is so fundamentally about self-acceptance, like, that's, like, that's an answer in and of itself. But there are things that lead to self-acceptance. Finding people who affirm who you are mm-hmm. <laughs> are, like, critical to life. I agree I mean, with that. If you are surrounded by people who are just, like, I don't know, hating themselves or <laughs> interested in, like, I mean, often hating themselves and then ripping other people down sure. around them, like, that's, right. that's going to go nowhere good. Right. Um, so that's, like, one piece. Yeah. But... Like, the road to self-acceptance is not something that most of us even, I think, are going to achieve in this lifetime. I think we're going to be traveling it. Mm-hmm. I think the best we can do is spend time, like, the self-work, spend time with ourselves in the mirror, find things we like. Find things we actually like about ourselves. Even if it's personality, like, figure out how to bring that personality into the the thing that you are expressing on the outside. And yeah. use that. Yeah. yeah. I think the other part is more technical. Like, some of the stuff I've talked about, about, like, darts working better for you. And, like, where things cut on the hip versus, like... All of that is is tactical, like yeah. technique. Yeah. And I think yeah. you need you need a tailor. You need somebody who yeah. can kind of like work you through that because that's not stuff that we all have. Yeah. You know, that's not knowledge that we all have. But it takes that trio, I think, of like purposefully walking down a path of trying to get to self acceptance finding people who are willing to work alongside you, walk alongside you, and then, like, don't make it harder than it has to be. Like, get somebody with some technical knowledge mm-hmm. into your life mm-hmm. yep. no. who can, like, work some, work some, like, good in your wardrobe. I think uh, all three of those things are amazing. I think you're absolutely right in all, the, all three of those things. I think um, in terms of the self-acceptance in terms of like finding things about yourself like when you talked about spending time in the mirror I think that sometimes we you know I can speak for myself I I know of others who haven't even gotten to the point where they are understanding that they're not accepting themselves like first of all a healthy understanding of what you're liking about yourself and disliking about yourself is, is important like getting to the place where you're like actually I'm talking to myself all day long about like how big my hips are and what am I doing in mm-hmm. that every single time it come, it rolls through my mind. I mean, cause yeah. I, I don't think people realize that, that you, you're talking to yourself all day long in some way. And this may not be verbally speaking to you in your mind. You're talking to yourself all day long. Absolutely. What are you saying to yourself? Like stop for a minute and realize what am I saying to myself? 
Am I am I getting down on myself every day? I mean, you may everything else everything else may be great, you know. You got a great partner, things are great. You got a great job, you're making a lot of money. But what are you are you talking to yourself all day about your body? Like, are you having conversations about your your body? Because it shows then that you're not accepting it. Like that's not acceptance, right? Yeah, I mean, I get in these. I will go down these rabbit holes of telling myself over and over again, like. I need to do this thing so I can eliminate this this part of my body. Like, I need to lose whatever arbitrary number of pounds, right? Yeah. Or, like, I need to... Um, it doesn't even matter. It, like, fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, I think... And again, like, I know I've talked about therapy multiple times through this, and I also want to say, like, what a privilege yeah. to be able to have health 100%. insurance that 100%. pays for my therapy. Like, that is such a privilege. But the one of the things that I've been able to learn from that is to take the stuff that is, like, waterfalling in the back of your mind and, like, bring it out mm-hmm. and think about there's somebody saying that to you. Like, are you down with that? Like, are you, would you be friends with somebody who talked to you like that? Probably not. So like confront them, (laughs) figure out what's going on with them and, and try to like turn that waterfall of negativity, like of of all of those negative things that we say to ourselves and think like, Oh, well, why am I, Maybe I don't need to say right. that to myself. Right. Like, right. what Maybe, do I like? Yeah. What do I like exactly. about myself? Exactly. Why well, don't I show myself some kindness? Harder right? question, but, yeah. like, yeah. worth answering. No, 100%. I, I love that. Uh, uh, thank you. This is an incredible conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to end with the question I ask all my guests. And I want to ask you, and, you know, you do so much. Um, and I have a feeling this will not be a problem for you to answer. What, um, how would you complete the sentence? I feel most authentic when? I am with, if I can say this, Corinne, when I am with you and my partner. Oh, wow. Look at the here, here come, circle of friends. She's already on the podcast and she's buttering me up, guys. Totally buttering <laughs> up. No, not at all. So I have found... A community of people in this city that I have never had before that affirms like all of the parts of me I feel so authentic in the midst of that group of people I get it in a way in moments when I don't feel like I'm having to perform and part of it is like I'm not having to perform around this group of people because they know who I am and they love me and they see me fully see me and the love comes from seeing oh my god that's it that's incredible (laughs) not because I'm a part of it because that's incredible because I I think people being seen is so important like you need somebody Someone, it could be one person that sees you. People seeing you is that that is a gift that you can't put a you can't put value on. No, you can't. You cannot. And put I wish value I could like yeah. verbally yeah. like transmit the look <laughs> on my face of how much I agree with this statement. Like, yeah, and you can't you can't put a value on. I it. haven't had a com- a full community who has seen me before. I have had like key people in my life who have seen me always and what a privilege yeah here there's a whole community yeah and that is incredible yeah yeah i get that i get what you're saying because i obviously i know those people and i feel i feel the same way about them and just like i feel the same way about you and and elo and so it's you know it if you have people in your life that do that for you please don't underestimate what that does for you in your life you know what that what that does for you as a queer person a person living in a queer experience it's i mean it's pretty incredible it's there's there's no way to put value on it there's no way you know it's insane it's your life it is it is i mean it gives me life all the time anyway enough about me um but abby miller what a pleasure what an absolute pleasure what a great conversation so abby you do so much, so much. 
tell, I mean, do you want to be found? Abby, do you want to be found? Do you want people to know where to find you on social media? I mean, I, if I were you guys, I literally would just follow Abby just to see what pair of shoes she's making next. I mean, I can't even handle what's going on in her Instagram where she's making shoes. Who makes shoes, people? She's like making shoes. I still can't <laughs> believe it. Every time I see it, I'm like, she just makes shoes? I just can't believe it. All right, Abby, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. Where can people find you on social media? Okay, so Corinne knows this. I am <laughs> extremely shy about social media. But Instagram, I think, is the best way. It is Abilin, my full name, my yeah. Full first name is Abilene. Abilene is becoming. And I think if you haven't picked up on that at this point, like I am evolving. I am becoming. Like I think we all are. It's the perfect sort of handle for me. Um, Abilene is becoming Mm -hmm. is Instagram. And And it says two two B's, A-B-B. A-B-B-I-L-Y-N is becoming. Fantastic. Uh, I would follow her. She is making shoes. Did I mention that? It is blowing my mind. And I really wish you would also put some of the clothing you're making, but, you know, I'm not going to push you. I'm just saying. I might. She's doing, I might. She's doing some incredible things. So, um, Abby, thank you so much for being on today. It was such a pleasure. This was a long time coming. It was even better than I imagined. And I, you know, I, I enjoy having guests like you on the podcast and talking about things that are so near and dear to the heart of many queer people on the podcast, people in our community in general. I, um, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for being with us today. Thank, thank you. you. I really appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, please make sure you uh, rate, comment, and like. Uh, our podcast on iTunes and Spotify and uh, all the wonderful places where we are, Stitcher. And we will be back another episode and I hope that you will tune in and thank you for being with us today.